0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Banter Podcast, episode 38. This is your host, Ben and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Luciano. Mike, my, my friend, how are you after this break, the Thanksgiving break we just had? It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's actually a time of the year it,
1: that doesn't come every year. It's generally reserved for lame-duck presidents, and we don't get that very often. Donald Trump is a lame-duck president, and that means that Old St. Nick is going to come down the chimney on or around Christmas, giving out pardons to various Trump officials and associates. And I feel like Santa's sack is going to be quite full this year. Since we last recorded, Trump has pardoned Michael Flynn, who pleaded guilty twice to lying to the FBI. And there's now rumors that he is going to possibly pardon Rudy Giuliani. For whatever shenanigans he may have been involved with, with those two Ukrainians, Igor Fruman and Lev Parnas, there's been talk that he might pardon his kids, uh, Don Jr., Eric, and Ivanka, who are possibly pardon them for federal crimes they may have committed. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jared Kushner's dad, Charles, who is a former federal inmate who did time for illegal campaign contributions, witness tampering, and tax evasion. I would actually be shocked if Charles Kushner – again, he's out of prison – but I would be shocked if Kushner doesn't get a pardon. The pardon pen is going to be busy this holiday season.
0: Yes, i say it would be a very good time of year to be, uh, to be in the Trump administration uh, right now because you get basically uh, a completely clean, clean slate. Which is, you know, you might not ever work again, you might not ever be able to get a job, but nevertheless, you're not going to jail. So if you're a criminal in the Trump administration, which has got to apply to so many of them, um, yeah, you're, you're about to get off scot-free which is, uh, unfortunate. I wonder whether Trump is going to pardon himself. There is talk, I've, I've read several pieces about this from constitutional lawyers debating whether Trump is actually able to pardon himself, which would be incredibly interesting, uh, to watch a president essentially confess that he'd committed crimes, um, and then pardon himself preemptively for, uh, the, the, the prosecution of said crimes in the next administration. um, so but yeah I you know it, this is this is we're in pardon season right now and uh, it's you know it's kind of depressing it is depressing that these people are going to get away with all this kind of stuff Rudy Giuliani in particular who is a who is a real scumbag and and sort of um uh frontman for the Trump crime empire um and to watch this guy get away with everything is is going to be it's it's going to be difficult to watch. Uh, you know, he, uh, you, you know, will this will Rudy, Rudy Giuliani get his comeuppance? I mean, the problem is, is, with shameless people. When you have utterly shameless people like Rudy Giuliani, no amount of shame will ever be enough. Like, there's no, there's n- there are no sort of humiliations that Giuliani could go through uh, that would make him ashamed. So I don't really understand. Other than jail time, I don't really see how uh, the guy could be brought down a peg or two. So, you know, it's kind of sad from from um, from that perspective. You know, the season of goodwill, I'm not feeling particularly charitable to any of these people. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, not prosecuting Trump when he's out of office. There's still, you know, there's the whole kind of, well, let's move forward together and heal the divide and build, you know, build bridges and, you know, come together as one, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I, I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a proponent of that. I say, uh, round them all up and chuck them in prison. Uh, and uh, particularly Trump. Even if
1: Trump does pardon himself, which, like you pointed out, there's a lot of debate in the legal community on this issue, even Mm. if he were to pardon himself, the pardon does not cover state and local charges. We know that the Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance and we know that the New York Attorney General Letitia James are investigating Trump, the Trump Organization, and who knows what else. And they want a piece of this guy. So while Trump can possibly immunize himself against any federal charges, it doesn't protect him against state and local. So there is that but i don't see and, and i see some people suggesting like or asking does trump resign because the can you pardon yourself issue is so it's an unprecedented state of affairs if a president were to do that so you know there's there's no real case law here and then i see but then i see some people saying okay well what if trump resigns and then mike pence takes over and then mike pence can pardon trump for issue a very broad pardon for any offenses that may have been committed related to this that and the other thing by donald trump and that would just be a much cleaner way to do it but i just don't see it happening i don't see trump resigning and having pence come in at the midnight hour for a hot second to just pardon donald trump of all these possible crimes that he may have committed as president and who knows maybe even before
0: But they are that shameless. The thing is, they're that shameless. I think it's
1: an ego thing. I I think it's more of an ego thing. I don't think, I think if he, if he quits, it's like he will have lost twice. I I don't know. I don't know how Trump works it out in his head, but if he quits, it kind of looks like maybe he's running from a fight. I, I, I don't know. I just, I don't
0: see Trump quitting the presidency. You know what? This is one thing that I'm going to, I give Trump. You know, I, I have to say the guy is not a quitter. Of Begrudgingly, I have to admit this that they, like, this guy does not give up. He does not yield. I wouldn't necessarily call it a, um, uh, it's it's an attribute right it's not something that he has it's not not a virtue but it's an attribute that he has which is that the guy just will not yield he he will genuinely fight until the very 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 bitter end. Uh, So I sort of I think you might be right there that he's not going to go out like that. He's not going to preemptively pardon himself or resign and have Pence pardon him because that would be, you know, an admission of defeat. And he still is not admitting defeat, even though every court in the country has thrown out all the lawsuits um, from from his campaign team about his about losing the presidency, uh, challenging Biden's uh, Biden's win. So, you know, yeah, it's uh, you. you, I think you're probably right about that. He's he's not going to do it. But, um, you know, he's got it's going to get pretty rough for him out there. Like when this is all over, when he's out of office, um, it's you know, I wouldn't want to be Donald Trump. You know, there's going to be creditors coming for money. Uh, he's got business loans. Uh, he's got all sorts of um, legal issues. Once he leaves o- leaves office, uh, including you know in in the um, uh, the district of uh, Manhattan, uh, he's got court, you know tax court cases. It's going to be pretty bad uh, for the guy, you know. But this is part of you know Trump's life. Trump Trump is always in litigation. You know, he's always suing someone or being sued. So he's kind of used to that. But you know. Um, it would be, I would sleep a lot easier at night knowing that there was going to be some sort of rocks, like a very serious investigation into the Trump administration with real world consequences, not the bullshit that we got with Obama and Bush. You know, I understand why Obama did it with the Bush administration, where they kind of had a sort of, um, you know, uh, they, after all the reports came out, of what, of the torture reports came out, that Obama published and made accessible to the public it was um you know it was highly embarrassing for the Bush administration but you know a lot of these guys in the Bush administration were, were psychopaths I mean Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld and John Bolton these guys are all um uh, complete and utter lunatics so Um, you know they had no shame about it whatsoever and I fear the same with the Trump people that they just have no shame so it doesn't matter what's going to be published they'll just write it off as as fake news you know and the right wing media will will basically do what they've always done and they will frame it as a kind of a hit job by the deep state or a hit job by partisan me- media and, the, the, you know, the Democrats, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so I, <clears throat> it would be, I would sleep a lot better at night knowing there was a real potential of jail time because if they get away with it, like, what does it say about American democracy? What does it say about the rule of law that you can do what Trump did which is, I mean, the list of crimes is just appalling. I mean, it's incredible what this guy has done while in office. So the fact that he can get away with all that and we, can, we just have to move on as if it never happened is, I, I don't think it's good enough. I mean, I don't know, what's your, what, what's your feeling towards that? Where do, where do you think um, Biden's efforts should be focused?
1: Well, Biden has said that he's not going to tell his attorney general, whoever it will be, who and who not to investigate and and i think that's how it should be I mean, the president should not be involved in making prosecutorial decisions at the granular level for obvious reasons at the end of the day it's going to be up to biden's u.s
0: attorneys i think nobody knows who biden's attorney general is going to be or whether they're going to be investigations into trump we have we can have our fingers crossed um Onto the other somewhat big news of the week or big news of the month or, uh, you know, is the <laughs> is the COVID pandemic 2.0, which we are now in. Um, we are officially in a second surge, second wave of uh, of the coronavirus pandemic. And it's absolutely terrifying. In fact, it's worse than it was um, back in the beginning of the pandemic. So, um, <clears throat> you know, not that you'd know it from our president, but uh, we are now in a very, very serious state, um, uh, or at least we're in a very serious stage in the pandemic as well. We've got fo- we've got to look forward to another couple of at least another couple of months of, of horrendous numbers of uh, of dead people and, and extremely sick people from this from this disease. And yeah, how how are we coping with it in America? Uh, not very well. Not well at all
1: the president has totally checked out on this. All he does now when he's in public is complain about the the rigged election as he sees it and uh, uh, taking credit for uh, vaccine development. And and that's about it. But the bulk of his time now is spent golfing and complaining about how the election was stolen from him as the biggest public health crisis in U.S. history rages on under his watch. uh, We lost something like Three thousand Americans yesterday, Thursday. Uh, we, we record this on a Friday, and that's a nine eleven. So we're looking at a nine eleven or more a day for a little while. And we recorded two hundred and ten thousand new cases on Thursday. And I want to step into the wayback machine, if you uh, will indulge me here, Ben, all the way back to June thirtieth. And on June thirtieth, the U.S. had Forty-eight thousand new COVID cases diagnosed that day, and on that day, Dr. Anthony Fauci testified before the U.S. Senate and said the country could eventually see one hundred thousand cases per day. And later that evening, on her show on Fox News, Laura Ingram reacted with this: "Doctor Doom himself at a Senate hearing today, spreading more COVID panic." And undermining Trump's agenda. Now, at this point, can we all just admit that Fauci's basically working for the Biden campaign. Now, for all we know, he could be, I don't know, Joe's running mate. Why not? I guess he doesn't fit the bill. But Fauci's fear-mongering didn't go unchecked. Senator Rand Paul hit back with an issue I know so many of you care about, this. It is a fatal conceit to believe any one person or small group of people has the knowledge necessary to direct an economy or dictate public health behavior. I think government health experts during this pandemic need to show caution in their prognostications. Laura Ingram called Fauci Dr. Doom six months ago, said he was working for the Biden campaign, basically. And by the way, as she was ranting there, there was a graphic on the screen that said Biden-Fauci 2020. She is the reason, along with a bunch of other Fox talking heads and also the president of the United States, she's a part of the reason why we are where we are. Because they have done nothing but downplay this thing from the beginning because it would make Trump look bad. So they just had to pretend that... COVID it's not that bad that things aren't going to get worse that you know masks don't really work social distancing and all the other stuff that they they were peddling this has actually gotten people killed because Fox News is the most popular cable news network people listen to them they shape the narrative and now they have helped shape the narrative to the tune of 270,000 dead Americans and as you noted a second wave that we're getting that the experts that ingram and rand paul denounced they predicted this second wave and now we're going to have to learn to do this all over again here in california the governor just issued a 3 week stay at home order we just ha- we had that in the spring and now we're doing it all over again because People aren't doing the right thing. They're not masking up. They're not social distancing. They're being dumb. And so we could have been out of this months ago if we had all just done the right thing, done what we were supposed to do. If we had just done that for two months, we'd be in a hell of a lot better position than we are right now.
0: I mean, look, Laura Ingram is is one of the most despicable human beings in America right now, on the planet right now. I mean, she's a real nasty little fascist on top of being quite stupid. I mean, she, she um, has a very, very long track record of being a, an extremely unpleasant, um, just mean-spirited person in general. So she's not just a kind of uh she's not just a sort of fascist she's she's an actively kind of um a vindictive one right she's not just a trump cheerleader she really she she loves trump but she also part of you know owning the libs is a big she takes it to so far that she even mocked one of the survivors of um uh the the shooting in in that florida high school um david hogg i think it was. but um, Laura Ingram uh, mocked mocked him when he, I think he didn't get into the the college that he wanted to go to, and Laura Ingram took to mocking him on Twitter. This is like weeks after he'd been almost killed in a school shooting. So, <clears throat> you know, Laura Ingram is a really, really, really malevolent person as well. And and just to think about, you could it would be interesting to see how many deaths you could attribute to her conspiracy theories alone, right? And, you know, they're very very well versed at this game as well, right? So you can sort of see a similar trend with gun deaths in America where the more gun deaths you have, you would think that, you know, sane, rational, reasonable people would would could clearly see the correlation between um, uh, legalising all sorts of firearms and uh, gun deaths, right? It doesn't take a genius to work that out, right? That you have more guns in America, uh, you're going to have more gun deaths, uh, and and it, you, you know you can prove the exact you can prove this exactly by looking at the UK, where there, where almost nobody has a gun and there are almost no gun deaths every year, right? But in the US, it's like you have 12 13,000 gun deaths a year uh, with millions and millions of guns on the streets as well um, and yet you still get people like Laura Ingram and and conservatives denying that there's a link between gun ownership and people being killed with guns you know guns don't kill people people kill people right but yeah but people with guns kill people right which seems Fairly obvious, but you know, it's like this whole COVID situation when you've got these um, conservatives who are even in the even as the numbers are skyrocketing. I mean, as you said, 3,000 dead people yesterday, 3,000 dead Americans, right? Um, And everybody, uh, almost all medical experts, saying wear a mask, right? It doesn't take a genius to work out that a mask is clearly it's like going to a hospital, right? And the surgeon you have. it's got the flu and isn't wearing a mask, right? And they're going to operate on you when you're not wearing a mask either, right? At some point, you it's pretty clear that that your risk of infection is much higher if you're around someone who's, you know, got a got a virus and they're not wearing a they're not covering their mouth, right? It's like sneezing on people. You know, what is them going to suggest next? You know, you can sneeze on people and it's fine. There's no pr- There's no proof that sneezing on someone doesn't. In- Increase their chances of uh, giving them the flu, right? It's just complete fucking nonsense. But this is a supposedly serious person, right? With a with a a serious news show, who you know, she this woman is giving out medical advice, right? It's it's completely insane, Uh, you know. And obviously, there's no accountability because obviously she's a uh, a a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, rich white woman. Um, working for rupert murdoch so these people are completely untouchable but in 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 a sane society she'd be thrown in jail for disseminating this the, this kind of nonsense right i mean i do think there should be consequences for people who spread this kind of stuff who spread anti mass conspiracy theories um and all sorts of other covid conspiracy theories like you're you're literally getting people killed not that she cares but, it, you know, she is one of the – I don't know. Like I'm always torn between who's the worst out of Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram. And I think maybe Laura Ingram might be worse than Tucker Carlson. I, I'm not sure. Where, where, where do you stand on that? You're leaving out Hannity. Uh, I
1: mean trying to figure out which one of those three is the worst is like going to your laundry hamper of dirty clothes and trying to figure out which jogging sock smells the worst. It's not going to be pretty trying to figure it out, and at the end, (laughs) at the end of the exercise, I doubt you'll have a a clear-cut answer because they're all going to be variations of the same funk.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, but they've really, they really have uh, sort of outdone themselves this year with COVID. By you you know, normally it's quite hard to sort of draw a straight line between deaths and tragedies. Uh, to to news anchors, right? I mean, you can you can kind of say, okay, look, they might be inciting hatred, they might be um, inflaming. You know, Tucker Carlson's got you know Tucker Carlson has got a long history of, of inflaming racial tensions and and uh, uh, doing all sorts of things to incite violence um, in the country. He does it very subtly, so it's it's quite difficult to draw a straight line between his words and the actions of like violent white supremacists or you know. Um, that's quite tricky, and Tucker Carlson is very clever about how he does that. Um, but in this case, over the last sort of ten months with with COVID, they you can draw a straight line now between what these disgusting people are saying and the number of people who have died. Right? I mean, the, most of the disinformation um, is coming from. Well, most of the disinformation comes from Trump himself, right? But the network basically carries carries Trump's lies and propaganda uh and refuses to sort of filter it or refuses to criticize it so you know fox news is responsible for god knows how many deaths and the individual newscasters i don't, I don't know i mean laura ingram has she she has her she has blood on her hands you know she really does and i, th- I would you know would love to see in some ideal world her get th- thrown in jail for what she's done um and i and i and I'm, I genuinely mean that I genuinely mean that I genuinely think that people who spread COVID disinformation um, should face penalties should face some sort of action uh, as consequences for their actions you know because you you know you, if you're in a public position you have a duty to try to influence people in in a kind of a sensible way to stop them from you know doing harm right and and the, there's, there are so many people out there there are so many um uh, conservative talking heads responsible for getting people killed by convincing them not to wear masks that i mean look you, you know i, I read this uh, i saw a story with this 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 nurse um who was just absolutely sort of distraught by these cases these covid cases people coming in and they they don't believe that covid is real right and they try, they they start shouting at the doctors and saying you're lying it's not i don't have covid and this is as they're dying you know they're dying of covid um and they're telling the doctors that it doesn't exist right you can you can you can trace this directly to fox news you can trace this directly to right wing hate radio right that have essentially destroyed their abilities to discern what is real and what isn't and what is not
1: and, you know, good luck. It, it, good luck in a, trying to prove in a court of law that Lara Ingram killed your uncle. Yeah,
0: yeah you, it's, it's, it's harder, right? But it's, I think it's more clear-cut than than the link between what they're, you know, than inciting like racial hatred and things like that. I think it, I think it's a it's far 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 clearer. Um, you know, in America, the freedom of speech, the First Amendment, gives you. Um, a lot of latitude in what you can on what you can say but you know it's still it's a damn shame you know it's it's really like you know the, do you see that that conspiracy film um uh, the pandemic
1: i did not and i have I, no interest in doing so yeah
0: i i have i've i've seen a clip of it but it's it's basically i mean it's basically yet yeah, denying that the pand- the covid really exists so and and i think that the people who made that film should be um held accountable for that right it's it's yeah you have freedom Ow. of speech but if you if you like it's like shouting fire in a in a no in a, in a rhythm, don't, right? don't use that example it's a it's it's
1: <laughs> that example gets made fun of all the time for being wrong by legal twitter
0: is that okay okay well we can cut it out um but I, th- I think you know. Look, I, I think that there are. Um, I, I th- Otherwise, I don't know how to, how we can sort of curb the, um, the, the spread of these of these conspiracy theories, right? How do you stop it? I mean, you can, you can deplatform people. You can do all the. There are lots of ways that you can stop this stuff from spreading. But if you still have people out there spreading nonsense, I mean, I, I don't know. How do you stop it? How do you, I mean, we're in a very, very serious stage right now. 3,000 dead people a day, uh, 3,000 a day for the next 20, 26 days. Yeah, sorry, you're going to have about 80,000 dead people.
1: You know, in a perfect world, these people would be held accountable for these things. And I'm not saying necessarily you throw them in jail, but they face some type of adverse consequence, like in their careers or financially, because... What they are saying, Ingram and others, just it's objectively, just objectively wrong, like you know, poo-pooing Fauci to calling him Dr. Doom because he wound up making a very accurate prediction, in fact, inadequate. Fauci said we could see 100,000 cases a day, and Ingram thought that that was alarmist, and here we are, we haven't even finished the year out, and we're at 210,000 cases. But what really worries me... Is that the conspiracy stuff that before the internet you could only get in like pamphlets or like independent books written by crazies living in rural Idaho? And even, you know, and when we got the internet, you know, the stuff that you could only find on obscure internet forums like 4chan and, you know, Stormfront, the white nationalist place, a lot of that conspiracy stuff is now, it's in the mainstream. It's on Fox News and Newsmax and OAN, which Donald Trump is doing his damn near best to get them to be a household name. Donald Trump has been shitting all over Fox News recently because they had the audacity to call the election for Joe Biden along with the sane world. And so he's trying to make these fringe... Outlets like Newsmax and OAN and they are fringe, man. They are not just like right wing, right wing. They are that. They're out there. They are like all in on conspiracies and you know, mail-in voting fraud for Joe Biden, more so than 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 Fox News. And they recently had, I think Newsmax had Joe de Genova or De Genova, and he was a lawyer for Trump. And he said that. Chris Krebs, who was the head of cybersecurity at the Department of Homeland Security until recently, when Trump fired him, after Krebs said this was a secure election, and Trump didn't like that, so he canned him, and DeGeneva said Krebs should be executed, okay? And this comes after Steve Bannon, on whatever the hell his podcast or radio show was, Bannon said that Anthony Fauci and FBI, FBI director Chris Wray should be decapitated and have their heads put on pikes at the White House. So this stuff is all coming into like the mainstream realm. It's colliding with what we would call mainstream media. All of these conspiracy theories, all of this just vile talk, all of these ideas, like Michael Flynn, recently pardoned Michael Flynn, who we mentioned at the top of the show. Flynn said Trump should declare martial law. And these kinds of opinions were once reserved for the fringy, fringe, fringe of conspiracy world. And now it's – this is Trump's former national security advisor. This is Trump's former senior advisor in the White House and Steve Bannon. You know, the fact that you have these people who who held these titles, these very mainstream t- – they were in the White House for God's sakes. And now they're saying this kind of shit and you couple that with, you know, Newsmax and OAN and the president's pushing this stuff like – I like this has broken my brain. And I know I'm not articulating myself entirely well here, and that's because it's broken my brain. And and conspiracies, this conspiracy shit, it's now it's now in the mainstream. And to the tune of something like 50 or 60 million of the 74 million people who voted for Trump now thinking that this election was stolen from him. And that is it's it's wrong. And more, more importantly, it's fucking dangerous
0: because a lot of them have guns. Yeah, I mean, look, this is one of the things that Obama uh, talks about in his book. And one of the things he's um, talked about during interviews um, recently, um, he's talked about this, this sort of uh, insane divide in the media now, whereby one side is kind of attached to kind of what we would call – reality and the other is just they're just insane so you can no longer speak to them anymore right I mean this is like the like Breitbart you know Breitbart for example used to be Breitbart used to be a conspiracy theory site I mean I remember I had a writer working for the banter years ago and he kept telling me about um, Breitbart.com and I'm like I don't give a shit about Breitbart.com who cares about what Breitbart has to say about anything right It's they're completely irrelevant Fast forward four years, um, and Breitbart is now sort. You know, they have White House press press passes. the 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 uh, the one of the main guys, Steve Bannon, is uh, uh, one of Trump's key advisors. You know, Breitbart is the mainstream media again. So, uh, you know, it's absolutely terrifying what what what's been, what's been happening. And I think you know, Obama's correctly called this the biggest problem. That American society faces there are informational wars and there's a virus in the system and it's a very 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 dangerous virus that I don't see how you can take control of it I mean there's no media regulator as well in the US, in the UK they have um, Ofcom which is a media regulator which is kind of like you know it does you know it has. It serves some sort of purpose like there, you wouldn't be at like the oa what's it called the america one network or whatever it's called one america news network yeah whatever um the one america news network or whatever that nonsense is right it wouldn't be um ofcom would 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 censor it um for uh, just you know blatant lying um and Fox News would probably be called up not constantly by by Ofcom. Um, so But they don't have that safety mechanism in the US. So, you know, and I get it, you know, you, freedom of speech laws in America are much more, they mu- very fiercely protect, um, uh, you know, the right of anybody to say what they want. And that's a great thing, I think. But it does mean now that we are, you know, cuckoo c- 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 land is now mainstream you know and trump has made it mainstream and this is why i think you know most people saw trump as being incredibly dangerous because he legitimized and made mainstream conspiracy theories Right. I mean his entire presidency was based, his entire presidential campaign in two thousand sixteen was based on a racist lie about Obama and the birth certificate, you know? And he was just unashamedly spreading conspiracy theories when he got you know, whenever he was interviewed about Ted Cruz's dad, about where was Obama born, was Obama a Muslim, you know, blah blah blah. Right? He has absolutely no shame about it whatsoever. And unfortunately, it it it's sort of this has now become that's just, you know, that, that the right wing media is now crazy and they, ped- they peddle this kind of stuff and there's no consequences for it. You know, th- I mean, this is why, like with Trump supporting friends of mine, um, I- I've had conversations where I just, you, you know, the, the always hit- hits a sort of, a, uh, an impasse right. Where you just get to a point where you-, you can't agree on basic facts, right. You can't agree on, ba- on basic, you know, what is reality. Right, and at that point, you have to stop the conversation, so I've had many conversations where I just been like, look, you know you're trying to get me to to concede um x, y, and z, but the these conceding that means that I agree with your interpretation of reality, which I just fundamentally disagree with I think you're insane, so we we can stop i'm not going to move towards you i'm not going I'm not going to um uh, play that game. I'm not going to take Breitbart seriously. I'm not going to take any of your conspiracy theories about Hillary Clinton seriously. So there's no basis for us to have a conversation anymore. You know, and, and it, it's quite it's quite a sort of scary place to be, really, where you can't, you know can no longer talk to the opposition because there is no there is no basis of reality for you to agree on.
1: It starts at the top, as he said. I mean, Trump is the conspiracy monger in chief, but. It's also incumbent upon prominent Republicans to call this shit out. Not that long ago, a couple of weeks ago, Marsha Blackburn, Republican senator from Tennessee, in an interview, she referred to President-elect Biden, Okay, which is the correct way to address Joe Biden, until January 20th. Later that day, her staff came out with a statement saying that the senator had misspoke. And this speaks to a deep and widespread cowardice on the part of Republicans in Congress. You know, a vast majority of them have not acknowledged that Joe Biden won the election. This gets back to what you were saying, people who won't acknowledge reality. Now, these people in Congress that I'm talking about, they know for a fact that Trump lost the election. But- they fear a primary. i 'm got to tell you this right now. In the future, the question of, was the 2020 election stolen from Donald Trump? That's going to be a Republican purity test in a lot of primaries. And the ones who say, no, it wasn't stolen, they're going to risk losing their seat. And there's going to be a whole long line of grifters who are going to tell the people, yes, this election was stolen from Donald Trump. And so you get this reluctance on the part of Republicans in Congress. They don't want to come out and say that Biden won legitimately because they know there are Republicans in their district or their state waiting in the wings who are going to swoop down and primary them and appeal to the Trump base and paint the incumbent as insufficiently Trumpist because they don't, quote unquote, acknowledge the election was stolen. There was a piece in The Bulwark, which is a conservative, never Trump publication. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, who is a Republican, he said the quiet parts out loud about Donald Trump and the 2020 election and Johnson's own career in politics. Ron Johnson is just the latest high profile Republican, shown to be someone who, like I said, despite his support of Trump in public, privately he acknowledges that Trump is a liar and an objectively terrible person. This is a piece with a former GOP county official in Wisconsin, I think Brown County, where Green Bay is, if I'm not mistaken. And this was a private phone conversation that this former GOP official wrote about in The Bulwark. And the three main takeaways. This Ron Johnson knows Biden won the election. He acknowledged that in in the phone call Two, and this is a direct quote from Ron Johnson. Yes, Donald Trump is an asshole. And three, Johnson says it would be, quote, political suicide, unquote for a Republican like him to oppose Trump. So they know. This is, just, this is consistent with reporting that we have seen. They absolutely know. They acknowledge in private that Trump is a liar, an asshole, and a loser of the 2020 election, but they just can't bring themselves to admit it in public. And Ben, I wanna put a question to you. Why are these Republicans so unable just to bring themselves to acknowledge reality? And yes, it will be unpopular with Trump. Yes, they'll get mean tweets. Yes, they'll get primaried, probably. But is it really worth the trouble? Like, you got you, you to gotta deny reality. You got to kiss Trump's ass. Is there a point where it becomes too much trouble to keep up this charade?
0: I don't know. What do you think? I, I mean, I think clearly the answer is no. There, is no um, there are no limits, right? There are no limits to, to um, shame. Right with with these people that they are, you know, they've created this monster. Right, they've created a a uh, this conservative base that you know, along with Fox News and along with the right wing media, they've created. They've trained the Republican voting population to kind of they're they're in a sort of pre-fascistic state, and they've been like this for decades now. Um, I mean you could you would say they're in a fascistic state I would say I think that's probably more accurate right so now what you've got is most Republican voters are essentially fascists right they you, you have to and Trump is a fascist right so the Republicans in office have to they they understand this they understand that they are nowhere near where their base is on, on almost anything right uh, they don't disagree. If you look at kind of what the average voter agrees with, they're actually far more liberal than they um, uh, than they may pretend they are. You know, they're for Medicare. You know, they, they think that Medicare should be expanded. They think that Medicaid should be expanded. They agree with, you know, all sorts of liberal positions on um, taxing corporations, on et cetera, et cetera. So I think that the Republican establishment understands this. So they've basically played this game where they you know they create all these other issues to, to talk about with you know like abortion like talking about um you know black welfare queens and um uh, rampaging uh immigrants jumping over the you know border walls to get into america and um kill white women and whatnot right so they've created this entire sort this this sort of um uh diversion, right? This these this list of diversions they use to whip up racial resentment and fear. Um and now they've created a monster and they can't get away from it now. And and now now it means that when you get somebody who is like Trump believes all this stuff or he's too dim to to you know look deeper into any of these issues, right? Uh, so Trump perfectly plays to the Republican base perfectly, right? That the, Trump is a product of the Republican base. It's not vice versa. Right? Trump didn't create the Republican base. The Republican base created Donald Trump. Right? The the conditions have been ready for, for years. Um, so I think that now, I mean, like you know, look at Lindsey Graham. Right? Lindsey Graham, who's the most spineless, snivelling little shit of a politician, you probably you, you probably in U.S. history. Um, and he, look at the about turn he did. But he did it because he understands that that's where the Republican electorate is now, right? And you can't go back. There's no way to go back. There's going to be no bipartisan era where they all get along and all the senators are all, you know, they go out and they drink together and they go and visit each other's families. No, it's warfare, right? It's it's absolute warfare. Um, And I think that there's no way back from it now. And that, yeah, to be considered... Um, uh, viable now in the Republican Party yeah like you said that's going to be a litmus test you know do you believe the 2020 election was rigged right if you don't then you, you're never going to get elected as a Republican and that, that's it that's just the way it goes now that's the monster they've created so I think it, it creates Republican candidates who are who are, you know either completely spineless or insane you know take your pick which one's worse I don't, I don't know you mentioned fascism is Trump a fascist?
1: I, I have the view of uh, Jason Stanley, who's a philosophy professor at Yale, and he says that Trump is engaged in a type of performative fascism. So like in, in the loose sense of the word, he, he acts like a fascist. Perhaps he's a wannabe fascist, whatever you want to call it. But I will say this. If Trump were a true 1930s, 1940s-style European fascist, he would have crushed this pandemic by now. Uh, you know, if there was one area where I wish that Trump acted like a fascist, it's the pandemic, because we would not be where we are today. Uh, and part of the problem, and, and Trump really, he, he really cultivates this. The United States has just an individualistic streak, almost to an extreme extent. You know, one of the so we can point to elements of Trumpism that are fascistic, but one of the key elements that is missing when we compare it to the fascism of Mussolini and Hitler, there is a total lack of emphasis on the collective over the individual. And that was a key element to old school European fascism. And we don't have that in america we have the exact opposite and so that's why we get things you know we get people objecting to mask mandates by saying my body my choice freedom stuff like that you know so we just we don't have that and trump really has done everything and his allies have done everything they can to really they've done everything they can to encourage that in the middle of a goddamn pandemic you know i mean mussolini mussolini came to power in 1922 not long after the 1918 flu pandemic. And Mussolini, he stopped doing handshakes. He got rid of the handshakes and went with the Roman salute instead because he was in part concerned about transmission of the flu virus and other diseases. And you look at Germany, Nazi Germany was the first country to institute a major anti-smoking campaign. And it gained a lot of traction. So my point is, if Trump were the actual fascist that a lot of people say he is, we would have handled this pandemic a hell of a lot better than we did. But I do agree that he does definitely have some fascistic tendencies
0: in him. Yeah, I think that's a good take. I think, you know, he, he you know you could say he's a, he's a highly ineffective fascist. I mean, he's not competent um, <laughs> uh, at all. I think he, he fits the definition of a lot of fascists, you know, with the, the xenophobia, uh, running around the flag, you know, militaristic. Uh, love of strong men, um you know, trying to silence the media. There's a lot of things that you can say that 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 he does that are you know hallmarks of of fascist leaders. but you know yeah, again, if he was a had half a brain um he he would have completely crushed this pandemic. and it's an interesting thing, like the the psychology right behind this the pandemic, right, but behind you know who Believes in this thing, and who doesn't believe in this thing, and who's taking it seriously, and who, and who, you know, who isn't. Uh, it, it's sort of an interesting phenomenon, really, because you've got a broad spectrum of people who who genuinely can't seem to get their heads around what's happening, right? And it's quite, it's quite a sort of, it's quite a scary phenomenon, really, right? It, and it's across across the political divide. Um, you know, I, I uh, there are from the far left to the far right. Uh, to the conspiracy theorists you know and everybody else in between right the the, you know there are so many people who don't believe in the pandemic because I I wonder what it is you know I think it's you know maybe this is for another podcast but I've been really kind of trying to wrap my head around what is it what is it that stops people from taking this thing seriously, right? Like, you know, I've I've know people, I know a lot of different people from a lot of different cultures, um, and income brackets and political persuasions who are just cannot take this thing seriously. They cannot take the pandemic seriously. Because and my guess is that they it doesn't fit into their schema, right? It doesn't fit into their worldview, right? And it's completely almost a pan it's too big for them to understand. Right? It's too, like, real. It's too much of a sort of, you know, the real world smacking you up the head and telling you, like, hey, like, all the things that you thought about the world and reality are wrong. And, like, you know, you can't do what you want. You can't go out and, and uh, you know, live your, you know, your elitist lifestyle or, or you know, hang out with your family or do all these things that you, you know, that you used to be able to do. And and people are kind of quite literally losing their minds. I just, I it's happening all across the political spectrum. I wonder if that's something that you you'd noticed at all.
1: I think people deny or downplay the pandemic for different reasons. In Trump's case, I think he saw it as a direct threat to his re-election prospects because this came to the United States. The same year that he was going
0: to face re-election, but he wouldn't wear a mask, and, right? So, so just, just, just sorry, sorry to interrupt. On, on no, this go point. for it. Like he, the guy's a germaphobe, right? The guy's a notorious germaphobe who can't stand being around uh, um, germs and uh, people who are ill and whatnot. So, but in this one, he he, he wouldn't wear a mask. Like he, th- that's that's insane to go from one extreme to another, to be like, okay, I don't want to get the flu or a cold, or, you know, using disinfectant whenever you meet people in your hands and stuff like that, right? Uh, from this to kind of like brazen anti-mask wearing, holding rallies with other people. I mean, it's, I don't know, like I, I, I don't think it's just about that. I don't think it's just about his, his, him seeing it as a direct threat to his presidency. You know, I think there might be a deeper psychological thing there where it's just, he can't accept it,
1: right? I mean, I, he, threat to his presidency, definitely. He's also some something of an acolyte of Norman Vincent Peale, who was the author of a book called The Power of Positive Thinking, which, I mean, as you could guess by the title, invites one to <laughs> basically think one's way positively through any adverse thing that comes your way. So for Trump, I, th- I think that's it. In terms of wearing the mask, like, yes, he's, he's of not wearing the mask. He is a germaphobe. But again, I think the way Trump sees it is if he wears a mask in public, it looks like a sign of weakness. It conveys to the American people that something is different, something is off, something is wrong, that the president is doing this. And again, I think that ties into his reelection prospects. So I think if he, if he, his pr- mindset was probably, well, if I just carry on like normal and pretend that this isn't really a big deal in public, even though in private, we know he knew it was a big deal. He acknowledged that to Bob Woodward in a phone call early on in the pandemic. I think if if he put on a happy face out in public, I think he thought that that would reassure people. And unfortunately it did reassure people and it had the effect of them not wearing masks, not social distancing and, you know, doing things that they shouldn't have been doing during a pandemic. So I think for, for Trump anyway, I think that's, that's one thing for other people. I think the pandemic is something that like, you don't want a pandemic to happen. You don't want a pandemic to affect you. So, I think there are people. It's like if they wish something weren't true, they kind of act like that thing isn't true. if that makes sense. You know, and I think maybe that takes place at a subconscious level. they They don't want to acknowledge it because if they acknowledge it, then they're just going to have to like upend their entire lives. I think that that's one part of it. And then I think there's another section of the populace that's just, inherently skeptical of whatever the prevailing wisdom is, or at least they pretend to be, right? Like professional contrarians, if you will. And the anti-vaxxer crowd. You know, I feel like there's probably a lot of overlap between, you know, people who think that vaccines cause autism and people who think that COVID isn't real or at least isn't that big of a deal. It would not shock me. And I actually saw a poll this morning, I forget who conducted it, but- it asked people if they would be willing to take the COVID vaccine. And it was very interesting because there was such a gender gap. And let me just ask you, Ben, I, I assume you haven't seen the poll. What, when I say there's a gender gap, so obviously there was a big difference in the number of men and women who said they would take the vaccine. Which percentage, among men or women, who had the higher percentage that said they would take the vaccine? I would guess Women. You would guess women, and I would have guessed women, and guess what? We would be wrong, what? because 69% of men said they would take the vaccine, while 51% of women said they would. T- so that is a, that's a huge gap, and I, I think it was, was it Ben Collins of NBC. He was the one who, who um, tweeted out this poll, and he speculated... And this seems totally right to me. This seems completely right. He speculated that there are a number of online wellness groups on Facebook that tend to spread anti-vaxxer propaganda. And a lot of these, I mean, they're just dominated by women. if it, Like Jenny McCarthy types, if you will, like when it comes when it comes to perceptions of the the uh, effectiveness of vaccines and that made a lot of sense to me because even though I don't have facebook anymore but I do remember seeing some weird things posted by you know female friends and relatives that I had on facebook and my wife also she's still on facebook and every once in a while she'll say to me like oh you know insert female friend here posted this really weird thing from her her uh you know whatever whatever facebook page she's following that's like very anti vax or covid skeptical and i kind of thought of that and so like anecdotally the numbers started to make sense even though intuitively initially th- they didn't
0: yeah i mean that does that does make sense i i have conversed with lots of women on facebook particularly women on facebook about about the issues of vaccines um uh you know and that w- women who are into you know alternative healthcare and alternative lifestyle, um, you know that, that kind of thing. Um, and and you, you know it's there. There are lots of wellness gurus, right? One of the one of the most the most notorious ones, I think, it's a, she was a Gwyneth Paltrow guru. Um, Kelly Brogan. I don't know if you've heard of Kelly Brogan, um, but Kelly Brogan is a psychiatrist and who's apparently a bigger anti-vax um, advocate and uh you know but she she was she was quite mainstream right and until the pandemic came around and then she's now gone completely insane i i followed her because i didn't i didn't agree with i i'd heard her talk about vaccines before and i they it wasn't i didn't necessarily agree with her but it didn't seem completely insane like you know she was you know some of the things she would say about vaccines she would say for example like you know um the way that vaccines are given out if for public health purposes, um, it doesn't take into account discrep there are a lot of discrepancies like that, that that aren't taken into account by by public health experts, right, as to whether your child could get vaccinated. Um, and one of them is, you know, specifically it's about diet and where you live and you're at your, you know, whether whether you're um uh, I can't remember what it was, about your natural environment, right? Like people who who um, live in, in certain areas and have certain lifestyles and diet, you know, d- good diets, uh, are much l- g- sort of less risk, um, at getting any of these disease, any of these really nasty diseases. Um, but then that doesn't hold true for people living in, in, you know, where they have, um, you know lack of uh, access to healthy food and things like that right uh which i thought was interesting i hadn't really sort of thought about that before um that that um you know that they are public health policies is kind of like a one size fits all um when it comes to vaccination and i you know my brother's a doctor and he vaccinates people all the time i talked to my brother about that and my brother said yeah that that's sort of how we do it um so she was right about that uh but then COVID hit and all of a sudden it was she was posting the pandemic um, and, uh, you know, going on about government trying to take over your body by vaccinating you. And Bill Gates was like going to do microchips in your in, in vaccines or something. And you just it was crazy. But I know lots of people who follow this woman, um, you know, lots and lots of people who follow this woman. And, and that effect is scary. You know, the, the effect that she must have had on people was absolutely terrifying. This gets back I, to, you know, why people
1: believe in, you know, d- downplay COVID, why they believe in conspiracy theories. I think there's a tendency among some people to just want to be uh, contrarian and, and feel like, you know, some of them, some of them are contrarian just for the sake of being contrarian, but some of them are because they really believe it because there comes a certain sense of superiority when you buck what everyone else is thinking, right? And you get to say, aha, no, I know the truth. I know what's up. I'm not like you sheeple. You don't get it. Sheeple. Oh, good. Yeah. And it's, and, and for a lot of these people, it's not really about educating, quote unquote educating uh, you know others into believing what they believe. It's it's about feeling intellectually superior. You know, obviously they have no real basis for claiming that, given what they believe or at least espousing. But you know, if if you're a part of a small group in the know. About something, or you think you're in the know, then you consider yourself kind of special, and maybe even elite in an intellectual way. So I think that's definitely that cannot be uh, understated as a motivating factor for why people believe some of this junk.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I don't know. It continues to perplex me. It continues to aggravate me. Um, I, you know, it's it's really sad. Uh, I, I wish it weren't that way um, because we're in a really, really, really terrible state right now. And I want, wanted to end the podcast on a positive note, but uh, <laughs> it's quite difficult when <clears throat> three thousand people are dying a day from a during a pandemic. Uh, Mike, anything positive to, to, to say?
1: If any of our listeners out there have been convicted of a federal crime indicted for a federal crime or think they may be indicted for a federal crime or at least may have committed a federal crime go to the white house and ask donald trump for a pardon because i have a feeling they're going to dole them out like candy this christmas so you've got a shot
0: yes to all all the criminals listening uh yeah Yeah, you you, you probably, you know, you've got a chance of of getting yourself pardoned. Um, I like to think we have a highbrow audience, uh, Mike, of people who aren't criminals or criminally inclined. But, you know, I I don't know. I'm always surprised. Ben, highbrow
1: and criminality often go hand in hand. I, I mean, think of all the wonderful white collar criminals we've had in this country over the years. This
0: is true, this is true, but no, I like to, to all you people all the banter banter listeners, we don't think you're criminals really, but if you are nudge nudge wink wink exactly <laughs> all right well listen um have a have a great weekend, everybody uh stay safe, please stay safe um wear a mask uh don't go um. Uh, hanging around other people's houses, uh you know the drill I'm sure everyone's being sensible. Everybody who listens to us will probably be reasonably sensible um, if you'd like to support what we're doing if you uh please become uh, uh, consider becoming a bantam member, you can get fifty percent off right now. Um, just click on the on the red button at the bottom of the article. you get fifty percent off you get access to all premium articles. That's about it. You can follow us at The Daily Banter, Twitter at The Daily Banter, Facebook, Facebook at The Daily Banter as well. Take care, everyone.